With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Here we go, y'all. Here we go. Another segment of Diverse Talking Heads podcast. You know you want some of this, so come on in and check us out. Tonight, we're going to be talking about DEI or diversity, equity, and inclusion. Is it just window dressing or is it real change? Tonight, we have our panelists here with us. We have Koshal. Good evening, Koshal. Good evening. And we have Karen. Good evening, Hello. Karen. Hey. Hello. And we, and we also have Charlie. Good evening, Charlie. Good evening, Calvin. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. And I'm your host, Calvin Gibbs. And we're going to jump right into it. One of Ooh. the big things, especially since the summer of 2020, has been diversity, equity, and inclusion. A lot of companies have started to look into this and a lot of people have been asking for it, demanding it. There's a lot of trainings going on across the world in DEI, but is it really effective change or is this something that is like a window dressing that people are putting up to say, yes, I'm interested, I'm we are doing it, but there's no real change behind it. So tonight, that's what we're going to talk about. First of all, I'd like to introduce the topic of DEI, what it actually is, diversity, equity, and inclusion. It means that people of different uh, different ethnic groups, different races, different sexual orientations, genders, Religions are all being brought to the table. That's the diversity part. And equity means that they all have 
a similar voice, the same amount of voice at that table. And the inclusion part comes in when the people at the table that have their voice and have had the opportunity to share their voice feel they're being heard, they're being seen, they're being included. That is the broad definition of DEI. So let's start with corporate America. And I'm gonna ask my first question. Uh, let's go with culturalism. As far as DEI in corporate America, have you seen any positive changes? Yeah, but I think I have seen positive changes, but it's slow going. Mm. It really depends on the company's approach to DEI. Is it just a box to check or is it something that they're taking seriously? And if it's something that they're taking seriously, then at least they're making some progress as slow as it may be. Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, let's go with Karen. Karen, yes. has any has any of the changes that you've seen in corporate America been positive that you can uh, tell us about? I, I I'm not sure because um, you're saying diversity. You have people working in different capacities. Are you saying um, more people in one field or another field or just everybody? Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm confused about the term because okay. we, all, we, we all work in offices or have worked in offices and we've had a diverse culture. People from different ethnic backgrounds doing different things. So I'm not sure about the term. And why it's okay. why they're using it. Good point. Good point. Now I'm going to ask Charlie, just the opposite side of the coin here. Charlie, have you seen anything that you would say is a lack of diversity going on in corporate America? Or do well, you agree I, with I, Karen? I, I no, I would probably agree more with uh, Karen on it. I don't work in corporate America, so I can't, uh, you know, personally speak towards that. But just in a historical sense, uh, corporate America is, you know, is um, what do I want to say? Is corporate America, you know, and what change ever happens in the corporate world uh, in any of those areas is like was said earlier is going to come probably rather slowly. It may appear to be going faster by saying we're going to do certain things on it, but the reality may be uh, less so than that. Okay. Well, I will say this, and this is just my opinion, as a DEI professional and as a black man, I can't be satisfied or placated by the self-congratulatory acts of window dressing that I see going on. To make a legitimate lasting impact on equality and equity in the workplace, I feel that these organizations have to work from the top down and from the bottom up, meaning we see people on the lower levels maybe getting jobs, maybe getting hired, 
we see all of this plastered all over the TV, the commercials. We now see more, more, um, I guess it's equity or more diversity in the people that's on the TV in front of us. We now see multiracial couples and families and things like that. However, at the top, it's been shown that the, the top is not moving very much. The people at the top, the people that call the shots, they're not uh, being as inclusive as they should be, as they have been at the bottom. Point is, they have increased the number of women in higher roles, but not women of color, not men of color, um, not as I say, black or brown people. And that's a problem. They can say that they are being um, diverse and they are on the bottom. But diversity, as I said, needs to be effected from the top down and from the bottom up as well. Only then will we have true DEI. Now, my next point is everyone knows I'm a member of Toastmasters International and every district has their annual conference and yeah I'm going to put a little target on my back but I don't care because it's the truth and this is all about the truth a few weeks ago one district that I am a member in had uh, their annual conference and they had two African American keynote speakers. Most of the members of that district are African-American as well. They are the, the majority. Last weekend, another district I'm a member of had their annual conference and they had two white keynote speakers who actually, one of them actually kind of sucked <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, I, I will. I shouldn't say suck. I, I will say wasn't as interesting to me as the other. Okay, that makeup of that district is mostly um, Caucasian and mostly Indian. I, I would say Indian is second, and then uh, everybody else is third, fourth place underneath of that. So when you talk about an organization like Toastmasters, that is an international organization around the world, you would think that they would have more diverse keynote speakers, have something there for everybody. And I think it's very telling when even um, the one district I spoke of, they have a large majority of Indian members, uh, people from, from East Asia um, that are not in the upper echelons of that district and have never, never had a keynote speaker that wasn't white or a well-known public speak, uh, champion of public speaking, African-American. Why? Why? As I sat there watching that, I was just dumbfounded. I'm, 
kind of nudged my wife. I was like, are you seeing what, I, what I'm seeing? And she said, yeah, I see it. And I know you're going to talk about it. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am. So I will put the question out to you like this. Why aren't corporate America, why aren't these corporations doing more to fill the higher positions with people that are not from the network, the usual network? I'm talking about the white men in charge or, or just uh, non non-diverse situation. And I will ask that question to Kosher. My guess on why those in charge aren't you know hiring beyond their usual network is because they're too comfortable in the network of people that they know and that they've worked with for years. The systemic injustice that this country has had for a very long time had has made the people in charge kind of operate with the same uh, group of people, people who uh, look like them. And they they aren't making the effort to go beyond that network that in which they're comfortable. And Calvin, your observation of the Toastmasters district leadership reminds me of a, a speech I recently gave about some of my favorite sports teams of the past decade. And in the speech, I talked about great athletes from the Bears and the and the Bulls and the Cubs who were mostly black, but the coaches were all white. <laughs> and I, I wonder why why is that happening? Why why are there so few uh, uh, black coaches in in sports? I, I don't know whether the problem, I don't really follow sports too closely these days, so I don't know whether the problem is still as bad, but uh, that's a similar observation that I had. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. And yet these companies, Coastal, they will say that they are uh, embracing DEI. They are embracing diversity, equity, and inclusion, but yet they're not comfortable enough to actually practice what they preach. And, and, it, and it, to the untrained eye, it may look like they're being diverse. Charlie, any thoughts on this? Well, I think corporations like to play lip service to that. That's the term I'm going to use. So if you think about a corporation as a product and you see, uh, say, advertisements on TV, and maybe you'll disagree with me on this, Calvin, but I look at that and I'm looking, okay, there's a you know diverse, often diverse groups of people on that ad because they're trying to sell to certain segments of the population on that. You know, and it's just a sales thing on them to do that. So it's just kind of this upfront thing. So they get some, you know, actors, actors, uh, actresses of color and all that to do that. But on the other hand, you know, that the people who are running the thing are not that at all. So they're just doing that just to play, I, to me, lip service because, you know, because they know there are profits in those uh, people, you know, and that's a group of people that they can sell to. Okay. And then Karen, I'm sorry, Karen. Yeah, Matt one. Uh, what Charlie said was what I was thinking. Waiting my yeah. turn. Um, you have, you know, when you have a product to sell, and you want people to purchase it or uh, purchase that service or that good, 
you're going to use different populations as if these people would never look at your product without the commercial. They know nothing about the commercial, but people already know. That's like a Tide commercial. Who doesn't use soap powder to wash their clothes, regardless what brand it is? Um, I think a lot of times people posture and pose people. They put them in the position so that when some outsider comes in, they'll say, hey, you have a diverse group of people working for you. And truth be told, a lot of times the people that they put in these positions um, are capable of being better and doing better with the right mentorship. And if you if you mentor anyone to be better and do better, that's what they should do. So this figuring out who should speak and who shouldn't speak is is just crazy in America for me. Mm. You know, and if Toastmasters is supposed to be a place to teach you public speaking. What does what does ethnicity have to do with it? If True they can that. articulate and right. they have good subject matter to talk about, let's do it. But then it could be a comfort zone, like you said, Calvin. It could be. Good point. So are more people of color moving into more middle and upper management positions? Are they gaining those mentors that they need and the relevant experience that can aid? to putting their career on a fast track or a upward tra uh, trajectory? Are the white leaders pursuing one-on-one -on -one authentic relationships with minority employees? Are they being true sponsors? Are they being true advocates? Are they helping provide greater access to professional opportunities? The numbers are showing that that is not the case. It is that the is case. Not, that is not the case. When you think about BRG versus ERG, for those that may not know, BRG within a company is the business resource group. And ERG is the employee resource group. Anytime there's any diversity training, uh, DEI training that goes on, it's usually run by the ERG, the employee resource group but the business resource group okay they have explicit goals that are related directly to the company uh to the business of the company like recruiting business development and those things as we know are monitored and reported on a regular basis not so with the erg these are oftentimes employees who have their in a lot of cases, little clicks going on, but they want to see change. So they're getting together and they're trying to run programs on their own. A lot of times they don't even have the correct resources to do these or the, the, the time really to do these things. So no, no professional is brought in. You have these employee resource groups trying to tell the other employees, and by the way, <laughs> The numbers are coming in that upper management doesn't go to these ERG groups about diversity as much as the employees would like. And the, the ERG is then left to try to shake up things, um, but they're trying to shake it up from the bottom and the middle up. 
that's not how you shake things up. It have to be shaken from the top down. Charlie, any thoughts on that? Well, actually, I had a, I had a question for you, Kelvin. Uh, do you think uh, because of this problem that we are seeing a lot more? Uh, well, at least I believe so. And you may disagree with this on this. Are we seeing a lot more opportunity uh, that people of color are opening their own businesses? They're creating their own corporations. Would you say that would be an offshoot of what you're talking about? It could be a, an offshoot of that. Uh, but again, there are barriers uh, to finances and education that are still in place that you know people can't get around. But yes, uh, I, I do feel that there are more uh, minority businesses in play right now. And you know, when we talk about <laughs> more businesses in play, it's like, this is a question that came up recently in my mind, Charlie. It's like, why did there have to be a an award show for for African American actors when we have the Tonys? You know, why did is there something? different for country music than it is rock and roll. Why does everything have to be separate? And I started doing research on that. You know, why do black people feel that they have to um, have their own business? Of course, it should be everyone's goal to be your own boss, right? But and in a lot of cases, it's like to get the recognition, to be able to call the shots, you have to have your own and it has to be run by your own, you know. Otherwise, you as an individual won't make it to the top to be in that, that position. And that's where the big question mark comes in my head. Still some things I need to figure out as to why this country is so biased. Karen. I'm I'm not understanding why we are we are why we have convinced ourselves that people can't go into business for themselves. And um, I'm not I'm not understanding. I mean, throughout time, throughout history, every culture that has migrated to America, some people have had their own businesses, whether it's in a neighborhood, on TV, and um, I'm not understanding why the emphasis is on that person's ethnicity. Have your business. Open your business. Accommodate your community. If that's what, I mean, you know, if that's what you want to do. But, you know, Black people have been in business for years. For years. We, we do the segregation. You know, after 1964, when we said we should be one, the, a lot has changed, a lot has not changed. But, you know, I, I still think the whole term diversity, equity, and inclusion is misleading 
because if you have someone in your office that's qualified to be in a managerial position or do something specific, do it. Let them do it. Put them in that, give them that opportunity. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Inclusion. Sometimes people say, let's include so-and-so, but in actuality, that person is not included in anything. They're just a, uh, what is it called? A, tro- uh, a, a trophy piece. but they don't you know they don't they don't have any say in anything they can't do anything and if they say something then they're 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 in trouble because they said something who asked you i've heard it i've seen it that's why i'm saying what i'm saying someone was put in a position and when there was a time to make a decision about something of importance the person made a decision a right decision but a superior was angry because they wanted to know who gave them that authority to make that decision. Hmm. Good point. Kosho, anything? Yeah, what Karen said reminds me of uh, the situation in, in colleges. I read some years ago that top colleges like Harvard and Yale are making efforts to bring in students from communities of color and disadvantaged communities. But then when the students get to college, they're not suddenly advantaged. They are still disadvantaged. And they they don't have the, res- the resources that the more privileged students have. And they the, the dropout rate for them is much higher a- as a result. So th- that that's also kind of, in a way, tokenism, saying right. that, oh, wow, we we we, we uh, brought in these these students, so we we are being diverse, but uh, that's that's just the the first step. Um, you don't have equality if those students have the equal footing as the the rest of this the student body. So, and I think. Uh, earlier, we talked about uh, mentorship, so I think a uh, mentorship is is needed to uh, fix a situation like that as well. Good point. I thought you were going to step on my next comment because I recently had a ch- had a chance to talk to someone that uh, graduated from Yale um, Law School, and we got into a conversation about why the Black students from Yale and Harvard, why they've been having their own graduation ceremony instead of participating in the graduating class ceremony. And that's their way of protesting that they are not, they don't feel that they're being heard. And when you think of a higher um, education school like those, and we see it on that level. That's something that make you say, "Hmm, 
I I wasn't even really aware of it. I guess I had heard about them having separate graduations in the past, but you know, like so many things that kind of flew by. But now I'm kind of laser focused on things like that. Charlie, how could the change at the top? Is there a way that the change from the people at the top take place and not make anyone feel insecure, scared of losing status, kind of sharing the wealth? What kind what kind of mindset, what kind of procedure has to hit the mind to make that a reality? Well, that's a tough one. I, you know, being at the top is, you know, the person, the individuals at the top is there because he or she has the most power. And so they have a, and to have that power, well, they obviously could be very assertive, strong in a good or bad way, but they also have a group of people like their boards of directors say, or a significant group of people within the organization that support that individual doing that. So unless there is another group of people, uh, whoever they may be, who can go and get enough power, you know, majority or however that works to go in, that's going to be very, very hard to do unless that top person does something that's, uh, uh, I don't know, heinous or whatever you want to call it, uh, probably would be very public. So everybody would know about it. And they're going, oh, what, you know, why did that person do that? You know, and, and you know, get bad press and all that stuff on it. Because that would probably be a very public thing that would give the chance for that person to be removed on uh, at the top itself. So that's a, you know, that's a hierarchy thing. Obviously it is sometimes based on color and uh, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough knock, not to, the crack, you know, unless you've got something out there and it could be a, even a, the leader or the person that runs it, it could be a, you think, well, that's not that big of a deal, but it goes on the public and it becomes bigger and bigger and it may be enough, you know, to cause change on it. So yeah, that's a, to me, that's good. That's not easy to do. It's not easy. It's not easy to do. It's not easy to even wrap your mind around when that has not been the norm. Here's here's my thought of what I would do if I had a company and I was sitting at the top as the uh, chairperson, CEO of this organization. Rather than emulating what others, other organizations are doing, I would would first of all, across the board, I would conduct internal audits and I would ask tough questions. And then from that, you'd be able to set different metrics about where you are, where you were in the past, where you are now and where you want to go. And that includes not making DEI mistakes with tokenism, which we talked about um, earlier in the segment. Because tokenism to me, it's just, it is just window dressing. It doesn't mean a thing. It doesn't really help that organization. To me, it doesn't, overall, it doesn't help the people involved. Yeah, you may get a little bump in pay or, you know, a title that you know means that it was created to put you above somebody else 
means nothing, basically. But that's how I would do it. I would say, okay, this is what we're going to do to get on board from every organ, every operation in this company. We're going to go through, check out, watch where we're at now, where we were in the past, and how we're going to get to where we want to be, and then execute. And it's going to take a, mind, a, a change of mindset. In a lot of companies, it's going to take a, a big change of mindset. And I think that's what DEI is about overall, a change of mindset from how things used to be uh, to where it is now and where we want to see it in the future. A, a life, a operation, a country that is diverse, equal, and inclusive. Boom. Boom. I think I think a good leader needs to think ahead, always thinking ahead, and not just thinking ahead about oh where am I going to make my next uh, hundred million dollars or something because you know after a while, you know how many things you want to buy with your zillions of dollars there, but think ahead in terms of the organization, that the people the people are going to run the organization. The leader has to be somewhat altruistic about that, not to say it's just about me, and you know me making those uh, extra hundred million dollars, you know which. Uh, and, and that they, they've got to, you've got to think further than that. And maybe at some point that leader is not going to be there anymore. And leader wants, you know, an appropriate person in there to do that. And, you know, because that, like, you know, I said, you know, they're going to be okay. As long as there's not something horrible to happen, they get sued out the wazoo or whatever, you know, they're going to be fine. So it's the rest of the group that they need to think about. Yep. And, you know, that's where the mentoring comes in. That's what leaders do. We mentor those that we that want to follow behind us. You know, we give them the training, we give them the opportunities. Uh, Booker T. Washington said the the most impressive way to make a to make a lasting change in a person is to give them responsibility and opportunity. And when you do that, you will see the change. We're going to take a little break right here. And when we come back, we will have our round robin discussion. But before that, I do want to ask the panelists, thank you very much for your um, interest and your contribution to this conversation. Do we have any last thoughts? No, not at this time. You said what I was going to say when given the opportunity, anyone will want to press forward and make everything work smoother and better, especially when it's generating wealth. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, um, Koshal and Charlie, any last thoughts? Uh, be a good leader. Think ahead. And think big picture. All right. All right. One, one thing I'd like to add be the opposite of Elon Musk. Ooh. The company Tesla <laughs> makes headlines with the humongous amount of racism and sexism on the factory floor. And we see how their CEO behaves on a daily basis when he could be <laughs> doing something about these problems. So if you're in charge, do the opposite of what Elon Musk does. All right. Don't, and, don't, your and, lead, don't have your leadership be about you. There you exactly. go. 
whatever you know, eccentricity you be have. Be a servant leader. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you, Charlie, for calling me a leader because, yes, <laughs> I am already thinking about season three. You certainly are, sir. Of Diverse Talking Heads podcast. We're going to take a little break right now. When we come back, we will have our round-robin discussion, which will be led by one of the panelists. And right now, we don't know who it's going to be or what it's going to be. Only on Diverse Talking Heads podcast. And they had the... Diverse Talking Heads podcast, and I'm your host, Calvin Gibbs. And now we're going to move into our next segment, which is called our round table discussion. The panelist does not know what the topic is going to be, and I'm going to be the discussion leader for this segment. And here is the topic. Panelist, name one thing that you've been planning that you've been wanting to do, but you've been putting off. Name the one thing that you've been wanting to do, but you have been putting off. I'm going to give you a second to let that sink in. Because I know how it is sometimes when you have to talk impromptu at the last minute. But I know the one thing that I've been wanting to do, and I've been putting it off for a while, and it's come to a point where I need to really take this into serious consideration. And before the end of this year, my goal is to lose 30 pounds for my health so that my suits fit the way I want them to fit right again. And I will not buy any new clothes until they do fit right. So that's the one thing I've been wanting to do for a while, of course, with COVID, uh, a lot of movement was uh, negated, <laughs> and uh, which is no real, real excuse, but it is reality. So now I'm at the point where I'm ready to uh, do this, and uh, I did go to the gym the last two mornings, getting my sweat on, 
and um, got I, I got a, a new new juicer in there, and uh, planning to get this what get thirty pounds off before December thirty first. So, who wants to go first? Name one thing you've been wanting to do, but you've been putting it off. Okay, I see Charlie smiling. I'll take that as a hand raise. <laughs> Well, I can't think of anything because I usually do it. Uh, uh, today, uh, actually, I did something today I'd been putting off because uh, I'm, I'm a gardener and I put out uh, my flowers on my uh, porch in my home there today. I was working on that earlier today. So that was just done. That was, and I usually do that about two, three weeks earlier, but the weather and other things were going on. So I did do that. And um we're going to New Orleans this summer. That's been we've been putting that off for a while. I mean, I've been to New Orleans a few times, and we okay. love going down there. So I'll leave, I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Charlie's going to Louisiana. Yes, sir. And and Coastal, what about you? What I've been putting off is learning another language. I've long wanted to learn other languages i've wanted to learn hindi the language of my heritage i went on a trip to india earlier this year which made me regret how long i've put off learning hindi had i started studying it maybe a year ago i wouldn't have been fluent but at least i would have been able to communicate better with everyone I also have a friend living in Japan, so I would love to learn Japanese. I actually took a course in Japanese, but that was just one introductory course, and it takes more than one course to learn a language. So I, it's something that takes daily work to acquire any level of proficiency in a language. and But it's hard to make a daily commitment to anything, so that's why I've been putting it off. Okay. Well, now you're going to get on the ball with that, I'm sure, because you just put it out into the airwaves. There you go. <laughs> Karen, what is one thing that you've been wanting to do but you've been putting off? Downsizing. Getting mm. rid of stuff, um, like chairs and stuff like that. Lots of furniture. You know, at one point in time, you had furniture in case the company came over, everybody had a seat. I don't need it anymore. <laughs> Just, just downside, <laughs> getting rid of stuff. Um, going through books is my hardest task because when you go through books, you have a tendency to get rid of the good ones. Yeah. Some that you wish you kept because when you look on Amazon, they're very pricey right now. So that's my, my thing that I've procrastinated. I've done little small increments of stuff, but I need to go bigger. Okay. Very good. I also need to downsize my books. I've decided that anything that's like a novel, I'm going to get rid of. And all of my self-help books, I'm going to keep those. Uh, books related to uh, productivity and um, public speaking. I'm going to keep those. And that'll, that'll be a nice size library right there. But one, one other thing I just thought of, uh, this is something I recently told my wife, and I was expecting a little pushback, some questioning, if you will, 
but none of that came. The one thing that I am going to do, and I've already started actually, I just have to buy the instrument, is that I'm going to learn how to play the flute. Ever since, the yes, the flute, Charlie, since uh, the 1970s, there was an artist called uh, Bobby, uh, Bobby Humphrey that played the flute. And I was just mesmerized with the sound of the flute. And there's so many different types of flutes, even in, in India, um, the flutes they play have a different sound than the, the brass uh, flutes. So that is something that I have already started my online training, uh, trying to find out which uh, flute would be best for me to purchase as a beginner and take it from there. And this has been, I would say, at least a couple decades. So now I listen to a lot of jazz, the jazz flautists. And, yes. and although there's a lot of female jazz flautists, there's quite a few male as well. So I'm really getting into it. So I want to thank our panelists. That concludes our segment on our round table discussion. I want to thank our panelists for their contributions this evening. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Kalshaw. And I'm your host, Calvin Gibbs. Uh, that's our show for tonight. And it's been a pleasure to be with you. It, it's always imparting that we say we're going to take two steps to the rear and get on out of here. Until the next episode of Diverse Talking Heads podcast, exit stage left.